Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church, where we learn and grow together in Christ. We now join the church in worship. Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church for the first worship service of 2015, and we're glad you're here. I want to take this opportunity to welcome many of our guests who are with us today. Um, make yourself at home. would invite you in, in the pews around you, maybe not right in front of you, but look down to each side. There's some pink slips, and we'd love for you to put your information on there and drop it in the offering plate, contact information so we can contact you and we'll give you the opportunity to contact us if you have any questions about who we are and what we're about. So uh, please do that. also want to invite everyone to take those same slips and fill those out for our care ministry. We need those so that we can continue to do care. So uh, leave us some names of some folks to contact this week, send cards and um, prayers and those kind of things. So would ask you to do that. I want to ask you to take your bulletin now and just look over a couple of the announcements that are going on. We do have um, Feed the Flock, which is our youth fundraiser. We will have lunch after worship this morning. So we're going to have vegetable soup and the grilled cheese. So stay and make a donation to our youth program and fellowship and eat together. And then this afternoon is a, a blood drive. And if you didn't sign up, that's okay. You can still come and give if you're able to. So that's from 1 to 5 today. Just make note of that. And then this evening, we'll begin our spiritual growth sessions for the winter season. Uh, we'll be looking at a book by Frank Viola called Revise. And we're going to be talking about revising our and reliving our Christian script uh, I'll be leading at, and there's some teaching plans that are in the back of the, um, in the vestibule or maybe outside my office door if you're interested in that. would invite you to come at 5 o'clock in the Lighthouse Room. do want to just recognize a couple of anniversaries of staff members today. Miss Betsy Beeson has been with us for 25 years on January the 2nd. Everybody give her a hand. Good Lord. And we are thankful for Betsy, and we're also thankful for Miss Cheryl, Miss Cheryl Daves, who's been with us as our pianist for 10 years on January the 6th. And we are thankful for, for those. Note our uh, upcoming committee training that will be taking place on January the 25th. Please make plans to be a part of that so that we can um, make sure that we carry out the ministries uh, of our church through our committees. On the back of the other opportunities for the week, we'll begin our Wednesday, um, Wednesday activities. We'll start back this coming Wednesday evening with Wednesday night meal and children's missions and music groups and youth. So please um, make note of that. I don't have a menu for Wednesday night. It'll just be a surprise. So show up and eat and fellowship and we'll have a good time together. All right. Well, I'm going to just move on into our mission moment. And I wanted to take just a, a minute during our mission moment time this morning to just kind of remind you, or for those of you who are new to Bowen Springs, to tell you of the many ministries and missions that Bowen Springs Baptist is a part of. And on the back of your bulletin, you'll see our global mission gifts um, which are outstanding, which totaled 14, over $14,000 
um, which was above our goal, uh, and for that we are thankful. Uh, but we do support both the cooperative program, uh, which is Southern Baptist Convention, the International Mission Board, and the uh, CBF Global Missions. We do both of those. Our local mission giving is done through our Greater Cleveland County Baptist Association. Also part of our local missions is Garden Web University, the Roma Pastor School, uh, Cleveland County Parish Nurse, and the Interfaith Alliance of Cleveland County, along with our own local food ministry, which, by the way, finished up feeding over 2,500 people this year, which was right at about 600 families, which is outstanding. Uh, so we, we have a lot of mission opportunities that we are a part of. And we also support uh, the India mission efforts that... Um, Dr. Carol Page does, and we're grateful to be able to be a part of that. So there are a lot of ways that financially our mission giving goes to locally as well as globally. And we thank you for being a part of that. But I would continue to ask you to look, to pray, to think about ways that we continue to be a part of missions, not just financially, but also with our own presence and with the spirit that moves in us as God leads you. But today, the cooperative program has come out with a 52-Sunday um, emphasis, and one of the things that they do is they give us a missionary to think about each week. And, and this week, the missionary's name is Madeline, and Madeline is located in Central Asia. It says, Today we pray for Madeline, one of our missionaries who serves in a Central Asian country. This is a country where almost everyone is Muslim. Few have ever heard the gospel. It is dangerous to share your Christian faith here, but Madeline is able to do so as she gets to know Muslim women in her city. Madeline went with one of her Muslim friends to a Muslim class. There, Madeline realized that the women are being deceived by Islamic teachings, as if a shepherd of death was leading them. She rejoiced that Jesus Christ, her shepherd, laid down his life for his sheep on the cross to bring them salvation. Today we pray for Madeline in the very difficult, dangerous work God has called her to in that Central Asian country. We pray that God will keep her safe and bless her ministry with decisions for him. And we thank God that we can support this brave woman in her work through our church's cooperative program giving. So thank you again for your giving, and please say a prayer for Madeline this week. Let's continue in worship this morning. Good morning. Take your hymnals and turn to number 215. We're going to be singing actually a couple of songs together, back to back. 215 is Majesty, and then we're going to be skipping over to 224 where we'll sing, I'm Standing on Holy Ground. Let's stand as we sing these, please, starting with 215.
this morning. something with me this morning and you may have seen one of these before um, you ever seen one of these before have you ever seen one of these before you have this is called a Moravian star and since I guess the mid 1800s or so this has kind of become one of the symbols of the season of Advent or Christmas and we actually have one that hangs in our baptistry over the manger scene. Um, and can, does any, what, what is the star about in the story of Jesus' birth? Why is the star such an important piece? It, it led the, the, the wise men to where Jesus was. Um, now, you know... The wise men are a part of the nativity scene, but it's apparent when we read the story of Jesus' birth that we're really not sure that they showed up the night that Jesus was born. We believe that it happened sometime after Jesus' birth, sometime between birth and two years, we believe. But the wise men followed this star. They said that they, they, come, they came and showed up and said, we've been following the star from the east, because they were from the east. So this star was special, and it stood out. Stood out so much, in fact, that they were able to follow it. Now, I'm not sure how. I mean, have you looked up in the sky? And have you seen the stars? Could you imagine trying to figure out which one you were following? Yeah. It's kind of hard to, to follow the star, but they were able to do that. And it led them to where Jesus was. And they were able to worship Jesus. And what did they do? They brought him what? They brought him gifts, frankincense, myrrh, gold. Yeah. They brought him really nice gifts because they recognized that he had fulfilled the prophecy that he was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. You ever played follow the leader? You never played follow the leader where somebody gets in front and you go where they go? Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem that tough when you've just got one person in the front of the line, but think about following, like I said, the stars. It's a bunch of them. But they were able to keep their eye on the star. And I tell you, one of the things that I can't get out of my mind is that even in our lives, there are a lot of people that we could follow. And there's also a lot of people that are going to lead you astray. And by that, they're going to lead you to some places that you probably don't need to be if you're not careful. So, one of the things that I, I challenge all of us to do, like the wise men, is to keep our eyes on the star. And the star, in this instant, led to Jesus. And Jesus makes a reference in Revelation to Him being the star. 
the star. So I, I want you to really think about in all the things in your life and in all the people that you can follow, I want you to pay close attention and really try to follow Jesus. Um, what I'm fixing to say, I mean this. I'm trying to follow Jesus, okay? And, and I, I want to tell you that you can look at, at me. Paul, Paul does a pretty good job of saying, he tells one of the churches in one of his letters to follow him. I'm not that bold. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you to follow me. But I'm going to tell you I'm trying to follow Jesus. I'm trying to follow the star in my life. And I'm going to encourage you to do the same. And it's not that you can't follow me, that you can't follow Jim, that you can't follow your parents. Watch us. But I encourage you to really, really seek to follow Jesus in your life. Follow the star. Alright? It's going to be tough. And it's tough for us. But I think that's what we really need to try to do. To focus and follow Jesus. Because He's the one that we need to be looking to and following. Alright? Let's pray. God, just like you led the wise men to Jesus, help us, Father, to be led in the right ways so that we encounter you just as the wise men did, the very presence of Jesus. May we keep our eyes on Jesus, and may he be the bright star in our lives. We pray this in His holy name. Amen.
Let's bow together. Father, this is the beginning of a new year. This is a time when we sometimes take stock. We think back of the old year that just passed and the new year that's just beginning. And we look at our lives and we look at your commands. We look at your word, your truth. We look at ourselves and see how we can better serve you, better do your will, better be an obedient servant. Lord, help us to look to this new year as being new. We could even take it further, Lord, and say each day is new. When we get up each morning, it's another chance to live for you, another chance to get it right, another chance to evaluate who we are and where we're going and where we need to be. Chances of beginning again never run out until we go home to be with you. Help us to take this new year as opportunities to be more faithful, opportunities to serve, opportunities to answer your call, to love the unlovely, to reach out to those in need, to serve you in such a way that people more and more are certain of our faith. Help us to live in such a way that it is obvious that you are our Lord. Bless this church in this new year. Help us, Lord, to see the opportunities that are before us and take those opportunities. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. Yielded and still, seeking thy will, O oh, speak to my heart today, Lord. Turn, if you would, to 281 as we sing together, speak to my heart, and let that be a prayer to the Lord. 281, let's stand, please.
blessings on that organ. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for your presence here with us today. And Father, as we come to the time of this service now, for we give to you what you have given to us. God, we recognize that everything is yours. And we are so thankful to be a part of what you're doing in the world. So God, may we be faithful and honor you. And may our hearts and our attitudes be focused on you. And may you take our offering as worthy. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.
scripture this morning is from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and lo, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Then he said, Do not come near, put off your shoes from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, and he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring forth my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Thank you. 
Good to be back with y'all after a few days away, Carol and I and some of the kids. And uh, we went down to Amelia Island in Florida. One day it was 81 degrees. <laughs> Not quite like today. But uh, it's good to be back too. I want to wish you a happy new year. This is a time sometimes of thinking about the future and the past and how things can be for this new time in our lives. And uh, be thinking about that as uh, we share together this morning from the Old Testament and the life of Moses. We're told that Moses lived to be 120 years old. And there were three distinct periods in his life with very strong contrast. The first 40 years of his life was spent in the royal court in Egypt, probably being groomed to be the next pharaoh of Egypt, the most powerful country on the face of the earth, surrounded by privilege, by wealth, by every, uh, every need being met in uh, the lap of luxury. And then because of a Jealous brother, he was cast out of Egypt and he went all the way from the top to the bottom. He ran off to the wilderness and was there the next 40 years as a shepherd in the wilderness. And then God gave him the call of the burning bush that Joel read about this morning. And he spent the next 40 years leading the children of Israel out of bondage into the promised land. It was a very sharp descent, my friends, between Pharaoh's palace and all this luxury to the wilderness. Forty years, the life of a shepherd. A strong contrast between the brilliant future that maybe Moses thought of his life in Egypt and what eventually happened to him in the wilderness. Think of it this way. Moses still worked for Jethro for a number of years, he didn't have much prosperity. The flock that he was taking care of didn't even belong to him. Those sheep belonged to Jethro. And the scripture says that he was on the west side of the wilderness. Another way of interpreting that is he was on the back side of the wilderness. He was not only in the wilderness, he was on the back side of the wilderness. He was about as far away from Egypt as he could ever have been. And Moses must have thought when he got out there tending the sheep of his father-in-law, I've been forgotten. My life is really over. After 40 years in the royal family of Egypt, 40 years as shepherd, he was 80 years old by now. My life is over. The best years of my life are in the rearview mirror. The most challenging days of my life are over. Let me tell you something, my friends. God tests his weapons before he uses them. And great men are prepared for great deeds by great sorrows and disappointments sometimes. And we've always heard it's the darkest before the break of day. And sometimes man's extremity can be God's opportunity and God has to put us in a place where he is ready to talk and we are ready to listen. 
Sometimes the incubation of a great soul takes place in solitude and quietness. I mentioned this to my Sunday school class this morning. Back in the mid-60s when I was at Marshall College, shortly after I felt the call to ministry, my two brothers and myself and a college friend decided we wanted to go camping and we wanted to do extreme camping. So we went to Bald Head Island. Now, I don't know how many of you have been to Bald Head Island, but if you go out there now, and my wife and I were out there about five years ago, you have a golf course, you have a marina, you have people that live there full time, you've got houses almost in every lot, uh, it's a very exclusive area. You can't even have a car over there. When you get there, you've got to rent a golf cart and drive around. Very exclusive and very developed. Back in the mid-60s, there was nothing there. Nobody lived there. That's why we wanted to go there. My goodness, we had to carry our water with us. There was no water over there. And uh, we just wanted the adventure of it. So my brothers and I and a friend, we went over there and had it all planned out. There was a deserted Coast Guard station on the far side of the island. We were going to go there. That's where we were going to kind of base camp and go out each day and explore the island. When we got there that first day, I said, guys, I'm going to go down the beach here, just take a walk for a while. Just wanted to be by myself. This was shortly after I felt the call of the ministry. I just felt some things I needed to iron out with the Lord. And I walked down that beach and I must have been, I must have gone down that beach one way, two miles, maybe more just thinking about this call to ministry and was this for me and, and uh, just really kind of wrestling with it. That was 50 years ago. And I can remember God speaking to me on that beach as if it were yesterday. He confirmed that call to ministry to me on that day. Down there in the quietness alone with him. Sometimes in those kind of moments, it's not in the great moments, sometimes God can speak to us, yes, in the church, and he can speak to us with our brothers and sisters in the pew, but sometimes we have to get along with him, we have to get quiet, we have to get by, beside ourselves so we can hear God talk, hear him speak to us. The man who would forge a nation out of a slave gang, the man who would walk with God, who would bring thousands out of the most powerful nation on earth, spent 40 years keeping sheep on the backside of the wilderness until God called him. Now, my friends, what can we learn from this great, great occurrence in the Scripture? First, don't you think it's rather odd that the Spirit of God decided to rest upon something so mean and poor and despised and ordinary as a thorn bush. Not just any old thorn bush, a thorn bush on the backside of the wilderness. This tells us, my friends, that God is nearer to us than we think, and there's nowhere that we can go that God isn't there with us. He's speaking to us. He's talking to us. He wants to encounter us. No matter where we are, no matter what we've been through, he never stops dealing with us. This happened again in, in the Old Testament. You remember Jacob when he tricked his brother Esau, and I think if Esau could have gotten a hold of him that day, he would have killed him. <laughs> you remember 
Jacob fled into the wilderness away from the wrath of Esau. And that first night, he stopped at a place called Bethel. Well, he named it Bethel. There was a stone there he used for a pillow, and he went to sleep. And remember, he had that vision of, of the angels descending up and down the ladder, and that was telling Jacob there in the middle of the wilderness, being his life being threatened, that he was with him. He was still with him, and he would be with him. And when... Jacob woke up the next morning. He said in Genesis 28, 16, Surely the Lord was in this place, and I knew it not. <laughs> Even out here in the middle of the wilderness, fearful for my life, I will call this place Bethel. <laughs> Got a lot of Bethel Baptist churches, don't we? What does Bethel mean? House of God. I will call this place the house of God out here in the middle of the wilderness because God spoke to me through that vision and let me know that he's still with me. We can find God and we can encounter him in the sanctuary. We can find him in the closet. We can see him in the beauties of nature. We can hear his voice in the midst of some kind of uh, great crisis in our lives. But these revelations and this speaking that God has for us usually is related to the state of mind to those that receive them. We have to be in tune with him. This revelation and word from God came to Moses unexpectedly. He was going through an ordinary day. This day was going to be like the days before and the days after. There was nothing going on that let him know this was about to happen. It came from an unexpected place, an ordinary bush. God dwells not just in the heavens, but also on the backside of the wilderness in the common bush. And there he will speak to us and he wants to speak to you. He just doesn't speak to you in conversion experiences. He speaks to you for life, for today, for tomorrow. Each day, he's continuing to speak. But he's continuing to speak, my friends, number two, if we are willing to turn aside. Turn aside. You see, there are two impulses in man. One is just to accept and take for granted what's going on and just go through each day with blinders on. And just go through life and take everything for granted and just don't really pay too much attention. But the other impulse is the person that looks with inquiry and wonder. Moses saw the bush. It was burning, but it wasn't burning away. It wasn't being consumed. So God sends his flame of fire to call out Moses for a great task. But he also wanted to discover what sort of man Moses was. The flame of fire was on the bush and Moses looked and said, I must turn aside. And did you hear when uh, Joel read the scripture, when God saw that he turned aside? wonder if Moses would have said, well... <laughs> Bushes burning is nothing to me. I got sheep to take care of. <laughs> I wonder if God would have chosen him. Moses turned aside to see this was a matter to be inquired into, to be probed, to understand, to comprehend. He would seek and find out what he could. Scripture says if we seek, we will find. Some people, my friends, march toward a world of miracle and wonder, and through their attitude, they seem to be saying, big deal. Life is full of miracles. 
if we have an eye to see it. Moses had an impulse to draw nigh. This was something extraordinary. He had an impulse to discover, to draw nigh, to investigate. We can lose the faculty of wonder, my friends, to see a world of wonder governed by the God of wonder. A tree is on fire and burning up. Moses turns aside. We need to be able to turn aside. Do you know that going to church is an act of turning aside? We're in this busy world. Well, haven't we experienced it at Christmas? Lord of mercy, it's just chaos sometimes, isn't it? Especially for y'all that have little children. Bless your soul. <laughs> it, it, it's a busy time. And, 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 and coming to church and coming to Sunday school and, and coming to the worship service and singing the hymns and listening to the message and being a part is, is a very act in itself of turning aside. I'm, I'm going to turn my back on the world for a while and all of its concerns and all of its busyness and get quiet and get still and see what God has to say to me for my life. God speaks to us. Sometimes he speaks to us through a death. He speaks to us through a birth. He speaks to us through a sickness. He speaks to us through a joy. He speaks to us through a crisis. He speaks to us through a rescue. God speaks through it all. And may we be sensitive enough spiritually to draw near and inquire and wonder and turn aside. It is only then that the world, the word has power. Only then does it become personal and seizes our minds. Remember, the aim of the burning bush was not to satisfy the curiosity of Moses, but to enlighten him and empower him and charge him for God's task. It was a time of decision. It was a time of commitment. It was a watershed time. And wonder if Moses had not turned aside. I'm too busy with his sheep. I don't care. God maybe would have moved on for a more able vessel. But he inquired, and God gave him the command. And once Moses did turn aside, and Moses heard the call of God, in the end we see what a spirit of humility, of reverence, of obedience. He was ready. What a task that was. Uh, impossibility, seemingly. Go down there. Oh, I'm sure Pharaoh will like that. That'll be a great idea to him. Let them all go, sure. How am I going to do that? I'll show you. Just go. And he did. To such people, God chooses to reveal his will and his way. My friends, not only do we learn that God is everywhere present, even on the backside of the wilderness, and not only do we learn that we must be sensitive enough to turn aside, to listen to his voice, to get off the rat race and get off the treadmill and somehow listen and, and, and turn aside, but also we need to realize that God is in the business of calling people. And I just don't mean preachers. If you are his child, he is calling you even now. He never stops calling you. He never stops 
calling me. The belief that God has communicated to us personally and called us by name and has something for us to do. And I say, that does not just mean conversion. Yes, conversion experiences with that first initial encounter when God called us and said, I want you to be my child. I want you to believe in the message of the cross. I want you to be a Christian. I want you to live for me. Yes, we answered that call. That may have not been that long ago. That may have been many years ago. But that kind of thing, yes, we learn, we love to hear about it. We learn to he- love to hear about dramatic conversion experiences. R.G. Lee, a great uh, Baptist of many years ago, said when he was a young man, he was in a revival service. And somehow God had been talking to him and calling him. And he realized in the midst of that service that he had to take that night. He could not wait another moment. He had to be saved. He had to respond. And he remembered that very night they were singing, Out of my bondage, sorrow and night, Jesus I come, Jesus I come, into thy freedom, gladness and light, Jesus I come to thee. And he was a young man, just maybe 14, 15 years old, but he knew he had to come. And he said, God called me and I responded and everything was different. And that was a dramatic conversion experience. And that can happen to normal, everyday people. In the days of the 1800s, an English seaman had lived a rough life. And he was at sea on his ship, and he had been wrestling with God and knowing that his life was wayward and and out of sorts. And he struggled with it and struggled with it. And finally, one day, he got on board the ship, and he got on a quiet part of the deck, and he opened the diary that he kept. And he wrote down there, Latitude 25, longitude 54, I gave my heart to God. And his life was different from then on. But my friends, God calls us initially, but he calls us so that he can continue to call us. Continue to call us. God has something for you to do. God has something for you to be. He is still calling me. He is calling you. What does he want you to stop doing this year? What does he want you to start doing? What new attitude does he want you to take? What new involvement in the church does he want you to be involved? He's calling you now. He never stops calling you. He never stops calling me. What task does he want you to pick up here? God has in mind a person he wants you to be. He wants me to be. And that's not just conversion. That can happen now. God wants to encounter us. He wants to speak to us. God wants to bring us up short. And we may say this morning, things are all right. They're not too bad, not too good, just kind of comfortable. Like Moses, he was comfortable. You know, this shepherd life isn't so bad. Nice and quiet out here. But God had a different plan. God's trying to speak to us. We think our lives are fine. We're doing quite well. We're leading a useful life. Maybe so, but God confronts us. He encounters us. He brings his demands upon us, his spirit, his call on our lives. And then when he does that, he puts everything in proper perspective. When we turn aside, 
God must encounter us because if he doesn't, we will continue to live our own selfish, egotistical lives and miss the joy of living for the kingdom of God. The greatest times of joy in my ministry and in my life have been when I have surrendered my plan and took hold of God's plan for my life. This is a new year. What is God calling you to do? Maybe you've known it for years. God wants you to do something. God wants you to be something. God wants you to surrender something. God wants you to pick up something. And you know it. Maybe you've not talked to anybody about it. You know. This is a new year. Do what God is calling you to do. Let's bow together. How remarkable it must have seemed, Lord, when Moses heard the call, simple shepherd, 80 years old. I want you, Moses. I want you, Moses, to go to Egypt. I want you to take those slave people, your people, out of bondage, thousands of them. I want you to bring them out of Egypt into a new land. Moses, because he believed that God was God, he said, yes, Lord, I will go. And he did it through the help of the Holy Spirit. Father, as a new year starts, may we start it in a new way. May we be open to your spirit. There may be those here this morning who want to accept you. They know that you've been calling them for some time. They know it. They've tried to stop it. They've tried to quiet that voice, but it won't go away. They want to accept you as Lord and Savior. Some may want to come to this church from another. Father, whatever you're calling us to do, it may be to take more of an active part in this church. It may be to to befriend that person that doesn't have any friends. It may be to reach out to that person that you know doesn't have a church family who used to be a part of this church family. Lord, you call us. You call us. May we answer. I stand down front as we extend the invitation. These saints we ask in thy name. Amen. Our invitation hymn is number 316. Jesus is tenderly calling. Let's stand. 316. Jesus is tenderly.
remember now, right after the service, we have our, our meal for the, the young people. And I know that'll be good. It's a good soup day. <laughs> and uh, so let's all join in and help that good cause. God bless you. And I think we have the uh, study tonight at 5 o'clock. Wes will be leading that, uh, I think, on spiritual gifts. So uh, that, that will begin tonight. So keep that in mind. God bless you. Let's all stand together. Well, we are already standing. <laughs> Let's all bow together and I'll lead us in the benediction. And this will serve as also our blessing for the meal. Father, we're thankful for this day. We're grateful for the opportunity, Lord, to be here. Continue to call us, Lord, because your call is better than any call of this world. Continue to speak to our hearts, Lord, even though we may not always listen or answer. Lord, don't give up on us. Lord, help us, our hearts, to be open to what you might call us to do and to be. Help us to be bold. Help us to know your call is a better call, a greater call than any call that we can ever answer. Lord, help us to know that you will call us and lead us and guide us and direct us until we go home to be with you. And you won't have to call us anymore because we'll be in your presence every day. Bless us in this meal that we are about to enjoy. We're grateful for those who have prepared it. Go with us and guide us. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. You have been listening to the worship service at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, located at 307 South Main Street in Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Come and worship with us at your next opportunity. Thank you for listening.